Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have you been working for quite a while, but are still getting paid the same amount? If you did want to get a pay rise, how would you even have the conversation with your employer? In today's episode, Shell and M chat through the ask, how you can maximize your chances of getting a pay rise. Hey, Shell, how you going? Hey, hey, I'm going good. I'm so excited for this one. I have heard you talk about pay before, and I call you a little guru on this one. You're going to get us all pay rises. Oh, hopefully. Hopefully we can all learn something. I'm sure we're going to learn lots today. <laughs> Here's hoping. Look, I've got a whole bunch of questions lined up for you, and I think some of them you might have a little bit of an inkling that I'm going to be asking, maybe others not so much. But uh, look, I think we jump right in. How do I know if I deserve a pay rise? There's a really important question that I think we all need to answer before we can decide if we need or deserve a pay rise. And that question is, how am I paid in relation to others performing the same role? Is that because if I'm better than them, then I definitely deserve a pay rise? Um, I think your being better than them is subjective. Okay. (laughs) But what we want to know is in the market, externally, what are people performing that same function paid? And how does my pay fit in relation to that? Sure. All right. So can you talk us through where do we find that information? Yes. So there's a few things. There's a few places we can find that. The first place not to find it is in your own organization by polling people <laughs> and asking, and, and we laugh, but we, it's not appropriate yeah, to I know go. I shouldn't laugh. I'm very serious about this normally in my organization. <laughs> so I should hold that laughter. So don't go asking your coworkers to see what you're paid in relation to them. You can look externally and there's a few really easy ways to find out what you're paid. And then once you know uh, what you're paid in relation to what other people in similar roles are paid, then we can have a bit of a reality check about, all right, can I ask for a pay rise? Can't I? Um, and it gives us a bit of a perspective. So the first place, and this isn't relevant necessarily to everyone, but it will be relevant um, in certain contexts, say if you're at the early part of your career and you are paid uh, somewhere close to the award, or say you've got a contract for employment and you're award-based. So in your contract, it should say if you're on an award, in which case you need to check the award minimum rates. Now that'll give you a starting place and it just gives you, I guess, that reference point or baseline about, okay, what's the minimum pay for that role? Where do I fit in relation to that? And that almost gives us the minimum or the starting place around pay and we work up from there. Okay. So if we just recap that slightly, because I know that the word awards can often, awards and contracts, sometimes we can all get a little bit lost. So we start first place before we do anything else, work out what award from our contract we're paid under yeah, and we head there and have a look. Yeah, and so... Where do I find awards? Yes, good question. So the Fair Work Ombudsman's site, fairwork.gov.au, it's a really easy process to work out, okay, well, what award would I be classified under? And then what are the minimum rates based on that award? So 
I'm going to do a little case study because I think this will be helpful. So let's take an office administrator role, say in like a business services firm. So this role is based on the clerks, clerks, however you like to say it, private sector award. And so that role is, let's say it's level three. So when you're on the Fair Work site, you can have a look and it tells you some different classifications based on the complexity of the role or um, the types of experience or qualifications that are needed. And you can work that out really easily by having a look on there. So let's say we've got an office, office administrator role and it's level three. That then generates and tells us the hourly rate for that role. Then we times it by 38 and 52 for mm-hmm. how many weeks in the year. And we work out the annual salary for that role is $47,000 a year. So that's the minimum salary. That then becomes our reference point for, okay, Well, if I'm doing that office administrator role, the base or minimum salary I would be paid is $47,000. If I look at the award and I'm described or the description of level three matches what I do. That's right. Okay. Now, like what I might think matches what I do might be different to maybe what my manager thinks. And so you would need to clarify that. But um, if you're in a bigger organization, they should, um, there should be some somewhere in maybe your HR system that tells you what your classification is. If not, and if you're in a smaller business, um, it may be a bit of conversation, but it gives you a rough guide. Like really the beginning of the like award minimum might be like 45. So it's not a huge difference between 45 and 47, but it gives you a benchmark. And I think for this early stage of, I guess, preparing to potentially go in for what we'll call the ask, that's okay. Yeah, because we're just trying to get an understanding of do I deserve a pay rise? And as humans, we like to overestimate uh, how good we are. That is just something that's built into us. Uh, So it's good to go and find this little bit of data, I think, to give us a bit more of a concrete understanding of if we've even got a case. Totally. And I think it just helps us to have that um, pay something that doesn't get talked about all that much. Obviously, it's confidential in most workplaces, so we don't openly share or, or, or disclose. So this gives you some yeah, hard data to work from to then put together a case for why you might deserve a pay rise. And so, sorry to interrupt you, Shell, but what happens if I look at the award and it suggests that I should be paid $47,000, uh, but I'm actually already paid $50,000? Do I just kind of go, okay, I'm a paid above award, I don't deserve a pay rise? Or is there something else I can do if I feel like I've been working really hard? Every role should be paid at or above award. So award is just the minimum. So from there, we work up and we go, okay, I need another data source. I need another reference point to then see if, okay, I might be paid 50,000, but what are other organizations paying? And so there's a way we can do that. So there's a website called Payscale, which provides really good data about uh, salaries in Australia. And you can uh, submit your salary and then it gives you a personalized report that I guess tells you how does your pay fit in relation to other roles? And so that's generally roles that are above award. And so that gives you that next bit of data. So you get the minimum with the award and then you go to a website like Payscale. There's some others out there. Glassdoor is another example. I'm not sure about the integrity of, of that data. I don't know enough about it, but I do think it's good to get a couple of reference points. And then you start to form up a bit of a range. Okay. And so this is starting to layer what as a minimum... Fair Work says you need to be paid or you must be paid under the award that you're employed for the work that you do, but you're layering that with maybe 
more market-driven data. So what is paid in organisations uh, for roles similar to yours? Yes, and it okay. might be roles similar to mine and locations similar to right. mine yep, because good. a role paid in, say, Melbourne will look different to a role paid in regional New South Wales. And yep. so getting that location-based data is, again, it's getting that next it's a bit more depth and it'll help you to frame up your case more accurately as well and give you a better picture. And so that then tells me um, how competitive my pay is relative to the market. So uh, digging into that a bit more around your question about, well, if the award's 47, but I'm paid 50, but then I see on pay scale for that office administrator role, the average salary is 55 well then I now know okay cool I've got some bandwidth that I can move in and I actually could form up uh, an argument to say I actually could be paid 55. Yep makes sense so what I've found as well through my experience is um, and in my role I do do some benchmarking even for clients so it's a little bit of an external perspective but typically depending on the nature of your role there is a plus minus sort of range that in an entry-level role will be quite narrow. So you won't really see too big of a difference between one person and the next. But when you get into a leadership role, or particularly an executive role, it can actually be a range of plus or minus 25%. So that's significant, particularly when you think about what an executive salary might be. So I guess that's the other thing is the window or that range can actually broaden depending on the role. That's exactly right. So um, if you're going in and you're kind of at the early stages of your career, maybe you're a new grad, expect it to be narrow, like you've just said, yeah. and and manage those those expectations are really important in terms of what's reasonable. Like three a, a $2,000 pay rise might be amazing in an entry-level role. Mm. Whereas if you're in that latter part of your career or the mid, mid part of your career, you may be going in with a higher expectation for a pay rise, but make sure the data supports that. Or even where you're at in your career. So if we take that range, whether it's broad or narrow, from what I've seen and experienced, you might start at the, I guess, lower end of that, that range. And then you work your way up over time as you develop, even if your role title for example doesn't change as you build more skills then you can associate that with a pay rise until you reach the top end of that bracket Uh, we did get a couple of questions submitted through around what do you do when you hit the maximum of the range how do you get a pay rise yeah well i was actually just about to ask you about time so in your mind is time spent in a business or time spent in a job does that make you deserving of a pay rise does that come into this sort of question that we're trying to answer around do i deserve a pay rise um, so I have a really strong view on this. On. I'd say no. I agree. Okay, good. I'm glad we agree on that. We agree often. I don't like, um, I, tenure to me does not equate with performance and performance should be the main driver for a pay increase. I agree. Okay. And when I say performance, I mean results plus cultural and values alignment to the business, yep. not just outcomes or results. And the other way I would, um, describe that or explain that is pay for the role, not for the person Um, so what I mean by that is if we were looking to decide how much a role is or how much to pay for a particular role we want to look at what are the responsibilities of that role and what are the requirements and then we take that role and we go okay well what's the range that would be relative to that and then when you come into it, you're paid within that range yes. based on your contribution, your performance, which is what we've been talking about. Yeah. But just because you get to the top of that and you hang around for a few years, unfortunately, that doesn't entitle you to get a pay increase 
just because you've hit an anniversary. So if we take it back to this case study you've been stepping us through, so we were talking about this administration uh, or office administrator, um, I should say, what else did you find as you were starting to do that research and move through it? Yeah, so when I went on to Payscale and I entered in the data and it looked like this particular role came out at on Payscale, uh, $53,000 a year that an office administrator typically is paid in New South Wales. And so this then gives the um, person that ability to go, okay, cool, I'm 47 is the minimum, I'm paid 50 and 53 is what externally this role is paid. And so that then gives us the information we need to then get to what I would call the ask. Oh, yes. So how, yep, do, we, yep. how do we then frame up our our request or our ask to our manager for a pay rise. So we've got that info. Now, you don't necessarily need to communicate any of that info in your conversation with your manager, but it's more to give you confidence that, okay, I know that I could get somewhere else an extra 3K a year. So I'm then going to use that data to frame up my request for a pay increase. That makes sense. And it's, a, I guess, a good moment to talk to the fact that this is a process so I think often when we're thinking about achieving a pay rise we get quite caught up in the idea of one conversation and simply going in there and and asking that question but actually this whole process starts with research that you're doing behind the scenes on your own and then it continues through even setting up the conversation and that interaction and It also, dare I say it, continues right through to afterwards, whether you get what you want or you don't, how you handle yourself. So I think uh, really important to remember that every single interaction here, and I think you'll agree with Michelle, is actually part of this process, not just that one conversation. Totally. And I think that's setting up that expectation to make sure every interaction is a positive one because pay um, can quickly get entitlements focused and it can quickly turn into a negative conversation. And what we really want, it's, it's a bit of a taboo topic. So we really need to make those interactions at every point along the way positive. So that um, we were talking earlier around what does it look like to, um, if you're going into a conversation, so say if you're my manager, M, and I want to come to you and ask for a pay rise, you're the decision maker. I'm just making a request. I'm, I'm making the ask. I want you to warm to me and my request. Mm. So every interaction I have with you along the way either helps you to warm to my request or pushes you away from it. And so what I want to be doing is making sure that A, I've done my research so I know what I'm talking about. I'm confident, but I'm also not focusing on my entitlements. So I think when we focus on our entitlements, like if I went into that conversation with that data and went, okay, M, I know I could get 53,000 elsewhere and I'm paid 50. So I think I deserve 3,000 more a year. You're instantly going to be on the back foot, like, whoa, slow down. Well, particularly if I didn't know I was coming into that conversation. So all of a sudden, as you're sort of saying that to me right now, I'm picturing uh, for whatever reason that I've been put on the spot and I wasn't expecting that. And I'm not feeling warm, as yeah, you described. Right. So should we step through maybe how really practically people have gone away, they've become informed about whether or not they deserve a pay rise. They've found data to determine what that maybe reasonably could look like and give themselves some confidence. 
what do they do next? Because at this stage, we actually haven't spoken to our manager or anybody else. Yeah. So I think the first thing is to get prepared. You want to get really clear on what you're asking for. So I would be writing out, I guess it's a one page document of here's what I'm asking for. And then it's almost like a business case. And we, we have talked about this at one point on the My Millennial Money podcast around if you're going to ask an investor to invest money into your business, you would take some kind of documentation to support you. The same thing we're doing with our employer. So we want to make sure that they know what they're investing in. So I would do a one pager document and I would write it out and get really clear on what I'm asking of the business. And I would bring that along to the meeting. I would book the meeting in advance. I wouldn't blindside. And with that, like I just did in that example. So get prepared and I would kind of rehearse, I guess, what you're going to say because it can quickly get awkward. These discussions, they can quickly turn weird. So the more that you're clear on what you're communicating to them in the actual meeting or conversation, the better it's going to be received. So it's the first thing to get prepared. Do you have any different sort of opinion? Or? No, not at all. The things that are rattling around in my head at the moment are so piece of paper's there you're going to give it into that give it to them in that conversation give it to your manager I mean I want to ask you what's on that piece of paper and what's in that conversation but before we do that how do we make the conversation happen in your mind because I'm thinking so if I put my manager hat on at the moment um, there's probably a couple of ways that my team could communicate with me it might be via email it might be in the corridor face to face it might be a phone call do you have any uh, insights preferences pet hates when it comes to how this meeting actually gets set up yeah and I guess we shouldn't um sort of go over the fact that it I believe it needs to be a a meeting it can't be you I'm thinking you're not asking over email no you're not emailing that document yeah it has to be a meeting so I mean if you work remotely it's over zoom if you face if you meet face to face meet face to face so I would say if you have one-on-one regular chats with your manager bring it up initially in there so say hey, one thing I'd love to talk about is um, my pay and I'd love to have a bit of a dialogue and discussion. Can I schedule some time in separate to this? Right. Again, so you're not surprising them. You're using that platform to schedule it for the future. Yep. So they they can go in prepared because um, depending on people's own perception of pay, like some managers have a really um, kind of firm view about pay and they don't like to have conversations about it and so again you're wanting to warm them to the idea so you do it sensitively and that's by saying I would love to discuss it is there a time that suits you and you're putting it back to your manager to say when would work and they might say okay well let's book it in for two weeks Um, and so then you're actually giving it to get I suppose allowing them to speak into the decision of when, when you're going to meet. And then it's preparing your document for that meeting. Okay. Now you might send it through in advance. I mean, this is where it can go a couple, there's a couple of forks in the road. I'm thinking if you know your relationship with your manager, maybe you know their preference, they might be a manager that prefers or a decision maker that prefers to have something in writing prior. So perhaps when you're setting up the meeting, you could even say, look, I'd really like in a couple of weeks if we could sit down and talk about this. Uh, they say yes. And then you might ask them what their preference is. If we're thinking about how do you warm them up, well, the more you can do that suits them, the better. So it might be wonderful. I have prepared, uh, I guess, a bit of a one-pager. Is that something you'd like me to send through to you prior or would you like me to bring it along and we can talk through it in the meeting? That might be an option. That's right. And tailoring it to whatever your manager 
wants or how they like to work is really helpful. You might have a manager who's heaps chilled and they actually don't want to see a document. Well, that's fine too. I always think it's better even if you've written something to help you with your talking points in the meeting, that's always a win. They might not need to even see it, but I love that idea of putting it back to them and saying, what would you prefer? I can send it through in advance or I can bring it on the day. And again, it's giving them some decision-making and control in the conversation. Really respectful too, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Of the conversation. Okay, wonderful. So we've set up the meeting. Yes. And so we've got our research done. All right, now take us to the next stage, which I think this is a bit of a, a pinnacle moment. Yeah, so I guess how you actually have the conversation. The first thing that we want to do when we're having that conversation is talk about the business first. So when we talk when we talk about pay, it's very me-centric. So it's my rights, my pay, my entitlements. And we really want to flip that because a manager or employer, they don't generally warm to that. So uh, one of my pet hates is entitlement and, and it really rubs me the wrong way. And so pay can, guess I guess, go one or two ways. And the way you can avoid entitlement is by focusing on the business first. So in your conversation, talking about the business goals and the strategy and your commitment to it, and talk about what you've done in the past that's helped drive organisational performance. The password is a good one. So I have a little um, few words in my head, whether you'd call it a saying or not, uh, but basically this idea that in my mind, pay is for performance, not potential or promises. So actually using that evidence that you've got from the past up until yesterday, possibly, but over a reasonable amount of time in a significant way to go, here's why I'm having the conversation with you as opposed to if you give me more money, then I'll do all these yes. things. Like that, again, I think about warming someone up or turning them off. For me, that's a turn off in these conversations. Promises and potential are not going to get your pay rise. That's exactly right. Your point about in a reasonable amount of time, like what have you done in the past? I don't want to hear about what you did in the last month. No. I want to know what you've done over the last 12 months. Consistent over time. Yes. Because like anyone can do a good job in a month, but what we for a spike, that's right. And performance does go up and down, but what we want is consistency and, and businesses reward consistent performance. They don't reward spikes in performance. So when you're putting forward your case in a beautiful and respectful and lovely way, show and demonstrate the consistency of your performance. When you look back over the last 12 months, you'll see examples and you'll be reminded of examples where you've performed really effectively. And, and so put those into your business case. Well, again, that's this idea that we both agree with, which is it's not pay increase for tenure. You turn up each day, you do your job, you're paid to do that job. And so it's that need to be able to demonstrate an increase in value so that the business is willing to invest more. Well, if you're just doing the basics of the job and the core function of the job, you're really not entitled to a pay rise. You've been, you've been paid for that. Exactly. And so it's where you've gone above and beyond um, that warrants a pay rise. Hey, I'll tell you another one. I'm going to just take over for one second uh, that, you know, if we talk about pet hates, I think you call it entitlement. We then talk about this idea of performance over promises uh, or potential personal circumstances. So this is another one that I've experienced whereby somebody has come to me and they have described either a change in their own personal circumstances that means that they would like to or it would make their life easier uh, if they were to earn more money 
or they've got plans for the future, whether it be buying a house, they've got a holiday coming up, something that they would like to do in their personal life. And they use that as part of their business case. And if we were, again, to go to this, are you uh, turning me on or are you turning me off as far as my willingness to make a decision that's favorable, that one's a turn off for me. That's right. Because you're interested in the business. Yes. You're not interested in the pool or the reno that that person is wanting to do. Like you, okay, that has no bearing on this business and the success of this business. And if you're going to invest more money, you want you want to see return value for the company and the organization. I I love all this stuff. I love it's so funny and it makes me laugh. And it's always good to kind of unpack it because we don't know what we don't know. Like when you don't have these conversations every day. Yeah, I think they're they're a really good opportunity. As you're listening to this, you may be reflecting on conversations that you've had in the past that have been successful or unsuccessful, or even as you're preparing maybe to go through this conversation for the first time, practice putting on a hat that allows you to think like a business and like the business owner. Because if that's the person that you're trying to win over, put yourself in their shoes yeah, and you're going to have great. a better chance. And and look, practice makes perfect. I think you do get better with these of the with these conversations as you go. But I think also if you can from early on recognize that the business's interests represented by your manager are to get a return on their investment, which is them paying your salary or your wage, then you're going to be more able to build a business case that gets you the outcome that you want. That's exactly right. So I think we've got a few things. We've got be prepared, do your research and then write out a bit of a one pager about why you deserve a pay rise. Then you're going to talk about the business first. So in your conversation, you're going to focus on how you're interested in the business growing and how you help the business to grow in your role. And then you're going to link the value you bring back to the business. So this is really key. So often when people ask for a pay rise, they make it about what's important to them. And we just mentioned sometimes that can be personal and don't go there. It's not helpful. But you might make it about your key achievements. So I've achieved X, Y, Z in my role but fail to connect it back to the strategy of the organization. And that's a missed opportunity. So, hey, Em, in my role, I've helped improve staff turnover and we've seen staff turnover reduce by 5%. Well, that's great. But if I stop there and I don't connect it to, well, how does that impact the business? I've missed that opportunity. And so I would instead say to you, hey, Em, I've helped decrease staff turnover by 5%, which has saved us 20,000 in recruitment costs and 40,000 in lost income. And so that's forming up your business case of we've saved 60K over here. So can we invest 10 grand in my salary? And I would argue that that's even more powerful if it's combined with the ability to tell a story that says, this financial year, we as a I know we as a business set a goal to reduce turnover. Yes. And here's what I have done and here's the monetary benefit. So not only are you hitting that financial benefit to the business, but you're actually linking it to a pre-planned goal. That yeah, that's amazing. I think that that really forms it up and it makes it the decision making easier for the manager because they go, "Oh, you're helping me to connect the dots." I'm mm-hmm. connecting the dots. So yeah. And the last one, and we've already kind of talked about it, is... But um, we could go on and on on we this We could. One. We could bang on forever, <laughs> is avoiding entitlement. And I know I, uh, it's my pet hate in all things employment, but one of the things that I've, 
I've heard come up and it, it does come up actually quite regularly is those kinds of blanket statements and absolute statements like, M, I could be paid 20% higher elsewhere. And, uh, and I think, yeah, I think for me, so. I, I'd be like, well, go elsewhere because I'm not going to be able to give you a 20% pay increase because that's just not feasible in my context. Pretty short conversation if I'm a part of it and that comes up, I'll be honest. <laughs> what would your response be? Say it again to me and I'll probably, I'll answer it, go. So, M, you know, I've just done a bit of research and I could actually get paid 20% higher externally. So... Yeah, I just, I think I really deserve a pay rise. Okay, so I think the conversation we probably need to have here, Shell, is a little bit broader than simply hearing that externally you could achieve 20% more. I'd like to probably have a look at what you're doing in your role, what else this organisation offers, and then get a bit more of an understanding from you about how you feel like you're performing and what contribution you feel like you're making in this business uh, in regards to a pay increase. I think you've done that really diplomatically. <laughs> That's a lovely response. I've had a little bit of practice. You've had a bit of practice. And that was probably not even my best. What, which, what I'm trying to avoid in that scenario where we're saying, look out for entitlement. Like we all get entitled at times. We all get that kind of, um, that. I think that's just human nature. But what we don't want is we don't want your manager or my manager to feel like, um, I don't want you, Em, to feel like, I'm doing you a favor by staying. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm looking to have a richer conversation. So uh, my response just then uh, as we role played was a little bit off the cuff and probably a little bit sloppy, but uh, at the (laughs) same time, you know, in part, what you've done there is catch me off guard. And so I'm not my best self. I'm feeling a little bit turned off. I'm feeling a bit like, I don't want to use the word repulsed, but you know, the conversation is kind of making me go, oh, I don't really want to be in this. And so what I'm looking for is I'm more than happy to, regardless of what whether the outcome ends up being favorable or not, to have a conversation with you where we're two adults and we talk about what we can achieve. If you're a good performer, I actually want you to stay. So, and I want to be able to, I mean, I'll pay you a million dollars if I could, but we need to be more realistic. So I think it's just about trying to particularly if it's you that's going there and and setting this conversation up and and going in for the ask, do so in a way that makes everybody feel as comfortable as possible. And I didn't feel comfortable just then. So I think in this conversation, probably the one other thing that I would add, and it probably comes a little bit from my own experience again, uh, just with regards to other people, I've seen it happen before where somebody has had a conversation or I've been a part of a conversation where they've used one of their colleagues as a comparison point and as a reference point. And part of their pitch to me has been, I feel like I contribute more or I'm a better worker than, or I do more than the person I sit next to. And I, I struggle to get my head around that in the conversation or as part of that business case because I really want when you're coming to me and having this conversation for you to stand on your own two feet and for you to make this about you and not about other people would you agree with that yeah totally I think pay and your employment contract is between you and the business so you don't need to bring in other people it's about okay my role my job and how I'm doing in terms of what my manager thinks. I don't need to bring in what I subjectively think about Joe who sits next to me. And chances are you don't know what Joe's paid. That's right. Keeping it 
that's just a really nice professional way of keeping it. Okay, it's about me, what I bring to my role and my relationship with my manager and the business. And have confidence in yourself. I think if you're going through all of these steps that we've been talking about, you've done your research, you've actually worked out with some science that you feel like you're deserving of a pay increase or at least at a minimum a review of what you're paid, then still have some humility. Uh, I, I think we both like to use the word grace as far as how to handle the conversation, but also just have confidence in yourself that your case is strong enough. And if you feel the need to lean on a comparison with other people, then maybe that's an indicator that you need to go back and revisit that one page business case. That's it. I 100% agree. And I think on that, it's a, it's really important that this whole conversation, you're warming that person up to you and your request and you do that with grace and with respect. And so I think how we handle that and how we have that conversation is key to whether our manager decides thumbs up or thumbs down. And chances are they're not going to decide in that conversation, are they? No, they'll generally take the time to think about it, hopefully read over what you've put together. They might need to consult with other decision makers in the business, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, so they might need to talk to their manager. They might need to talk to finance or HR, um, depending on that nature of the business. So we worked out that we felt like we had a business case and we set up a really nice meeting and we went along and we handled ourselves well. One thing I'm wondering though, if I I sort of take it back a a step, when's the right time? Is there a right time? What do you do if you're, I mean, I'm just rattling off a whole bunch of different questions I have. What do you do if you have a, a pay cycle or a pay review annually in your business, but more importantly, perhaps what do you do if you don't? Or what do you do if you feel like you'd like to have it reviewed off cycle? How do I know when? Yeah, so let's firstly take uh, the assumption that, okay, there is an annual review in, in a medium or larger business. And so generally you'll have that every 12 months. And so in that case, I would wait for that review. There will be times where there's an off cycle. Maybe you've been performing higher duties and you want to be looked at for um, an increase. And so I would still request an off cycle review and that's fine. That's all part of the conversation. And businesses have structures and policies and processes for that. And perhaps that's you know, even in part acknowledging that you appreciate that it would be an off-cycle review. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. And so um, don't you may not necessarily expect an increase then and there. They might say, yes, we will look at it and we're going to hold till our next annual review. If that's eight months away, you know, that might be the case. But at least you're still having the conversation. For, I think it gets a little bit more tricky in in smaller businesses where they may not have that structure because it feels like how do I approach this because there's no policy per se to have this conversation Uh, so I would then treat it in a more informal way if you're in a smaller context maybe there's 30 staff in your business or less take your manager out for coffee do it in that way still go to them say Em I'd love to sit down and have a conversation can I take you out for a coffee do it in an informal way if there's no kind of cycle or process but still you follow those same steps in terms of when is the right time. Yeah, because how long do I wait? So I'm in a small business. There's no annual review. I maybe started with the business 12 months ago or perhaps I've been working with them for a long time, but it's been three years since my last pay increase. Is there a right or a wrong? What do I do there? Minimum 12 months before you ask for a pay rise is my recommendation. I think anything before that, unless you're in like a sales a sales-based role, commission or anything like that I'd say minimum 12 months don't ask for a pay rise before then after 12 months I think it's fair game okay (laughs) like I think 
okay, I haven't had a pay increase in 12 months. I'm going to have a conversation. Yep. And does that change if you're promoted in the first 12 months or you change roles in the first 12 months? Yeah, there's so many variations. I know, I so could go on and on and If on. we've had a promotion, I still see it as a, it's a new job, wait 12 months. Mm. Like if you've had a pay increase, you've been promoted. Like if you've been promoted but you haven't had an increase, well, that's a different story. But if you've, if you've been, you're on a new contract, you've been promoted, um, there'll be cases where, I mean, organisations have a, a probationary period of like six months. There may be structure in place to do a pay review after six months, but my kind of preference is 12 months. I, I, I don't really have any like kind of thing to back it up. It's just what I like. Oh, and look, I think sometimes it's, we take our cues from common practice and we have some insights into what is common practice and what is maybe standard in employment arrangements. And I would agree with you, uh, again, unsurprisingly, we're going to have to start disagreeing more on these Yeah, we'll have to talk conversations. about some more <laughs> provocative issues. Uh, but look, I think it's a, if we agree, it's a good indicator that it's probably, uh, without there being right or wrong, the right way forward or the, uh, potentially the best way forward. Yeah, that's right. If you've been in a role, and I, I was talking to someone a little while ago who'd been in a small business and they had worked for three years and they never had a pay conversation with their manager and they felt their manager um, was a business owner and they didn't know how to do it because small business, sometimes finances are tight, it's, it's hard work. I still think it's in your interest to have the conversation. It's the way that you do it that makes all the difference. All right, so we've worked out whether we deserve it or not. We've prepared for it. We've had the conversation because we worked out whether it was the appropriate time or not. It's time to find out the outcome and it's probably going to go one of three ways. I think you're going to get what you want. You're not going to get what you want, uh, as in you're going to get no increase or it might be somewhere in the middle. Would that be fair? Yes. Yep. All right. What do you do? I'm most interested in what do you do if you get either no increase or an increase that is less than what you wanted? Okay. You're not happy. Put yep. it that way. I'm not happy. Okay. So say, uh, let's start with what you do if you get less. So if I asked for a $10,000 pay increase and I got... You must be good at your job. <laughs> let's say, and I got... 3000 So it's a bit of a, it's, it's an increase, but it's not anywhere near what I wanted. I don't see pay conversations as a negotiation. So the thing I wouldn't want is um, for someone to come back to me and say, okay, I hear you, you're offering three. How about five? I'm offering you three. Take it with grace. Um, it's an increase. An increase is an increase. It might not be exactly what you want, but if you want to stay in the business, keep showing you add value. And in 12 months time, that's the right time to ask again. You know, like it doesn't, it's to me, it's not accepting the increase with grace if you try to renegotiate. I would suggest as well that your manager or your employer will be watching how you respond and they will remember and they will remember when they're considering promotion opportunities, internal career movement opportunities, project opportunities, next year's pay review, uh, or the next time you request one. And it goes back to this idea that we were talking about earlier, as far as this is not one conversation, this is a whole process in which every interaction, it's, it's infinite because that warmth that you create or don't create can be turned on and off or up or down and it will flow on 
to the next day and the next day and the next day, not only in regards to pay decisions, but also other opportunities at work. On to, I guess, that second option of no, no increase at all. And so that is a tough spot to be in when you put yourself out there, especially if you've done all these steps and done them really beautifully, it can be really uh, pretty upsetting and it's hard not to take it personally. Yeah, because didn't I get you to promise us at the beginning of this that you would run us through how we we're all going to be guaranteed pay rises? <laughs> yes, unfortunately, <laughs> we're not going to get so to that everyone one today. Just call Shelley. <laughs> I think um, when you get a no, it's really hard. And so... Um, understanding and going into that with you know what the answer could be no and deciding up front before you have the conversation I'm going to be okay with it so there's a mindset piece in this too so in that preparation we were talking about right at the beginning you're preparing your mindset totally and I think it's going in with that commitment at the outset if my manager says no not now not ever or to my request um, and chances are they won't say not ever, but if they're saying no, I'm going to have a good attitude regardless and I'm going to handle myself with grace and I'm going to respect their decision making. And that will also then set you up for the next time you ask because you might get no now, but ask again in say 12 months or even six months, you might decide to ask again. And how you handled yourself is going to either set you up for success or failure in the next one. Mm. So I'm going to throw out there and I'm keen for your initial reaction as you hear this because I am going to read it to you, not written by me, but I'm keen to just, and this is probably um, one of our longer episodes, or time, uh, but I think it's important. I think this is a topic where we couldn't skim over the surface. I'd like to finish on this. So um, let me quote it to you and I'll get your response. And where did this where did this one come from? This has come from somebody who's written to us. They knew we were doing this My Millennial Career uh, podcast and we captured one of their questions. Let, Hit here, me with yeah, it. Yeah, here you go. All right. So, uh, and I've got a little smile on my face because <laughs> I have a feeling I know how you might respond, but let's see. All right. So when should you call their bluff and threaten to leave if you aren't getting what you want? If you've been feeling undervalued for a long time, for example, six months or more, how is it best to communicate this to your employer so that they can change the situation either through a salary or position change? Sounds like an ultimatum to me. Yeah. And how do we feel about ultimatums? We don't like them. (laughs) I do not like ultimatums. I'm like, no, thank you. No, no, no. So I can see where this person's coming from. They've been feeling undervalued for what they're describing as a long time. So we've got that six months or more, which is a really good piece of detail because that in itself is subjective, whether that's a long time or not. And we've talked a little bit about that 12 month cycle, yes. whether it be because there's a policy in the business to review annually or not. We feel like that's an appropriate amount of time to wait. Um, but this wording around when do you call their bluff and threaten to leave if you aren't getting what you want does that mean you're actually going to leave or you're just going to threaten to leave and that's the thing isn't it it's like if you put it out there you better be committed to leaving because uh, like the whole threatening your employer like your employer holds the majority of the power in the dynamic and so you like it's a real risky spot and I would say a no one's going to warm to that no manager's going to warm to that but also um, there's so many different ways to communicate the feeling of being say you do feel undervalued that's something that you can communicate and express but don't don't do it in a pay conversation 
and certainly no ultimatums because my response to that would be, okay, no worries, you can like, you can leave. So this question, therefore, I mean, it talks about when should you call their bluff and threaten to leave. Maybe this question, though, is answered with not a direct answer to when do you do that? Because I think our answer to that is never. Yes. I think instead you do something else. You have a different conversation and you talk more openly about what's going on for you and how you're feeling. And so I think I'm keen to hear your angle of how you would have that conversation around I'm feeling undervalued. I agree with you. I would leave pay out of it completely. That might be a chapter to a conversation later on. But once you've done all the steps we've talked through, but for this particular um, situation, I would leave that out. And I would, similarly to the pay conversation, talk with your manager and say, hey, I'd really like to have a conversation with you uh, about how I'm going. Is there a time that we could set up to do that? And in sitting in that conversation, I would go into it with very minimal expectation, but complete open-mindedness. And I would put on the table, look, I just wanted to put it on your radar that this is how I'm feeling. I've been feeling this way for some time. I wouldn't say a long time. I would say some time or for about six months now. Here are the things that I've tried in order to uh, overcome this feeling, but it doesn't seem to be working. I really love being a part of this business and a part of this team. Here are all the wonderful things that uh, I believe that, you know, make this place a really fun place to be or a really good place to be or that I think I can actually uh, sort of see myself, you know, continuing to be a part of into the future. But there's just something missing for me and I'd like to unpack that with you. How do you, you know, what do you think? How do you think things are going? And I'd say, yes, let's chat <laughs> in because I'd be going tick, tick, tick. I want to talk about it. Yeah. I want to address the issues that um, you're experiencing. So yes, absolutely. Don't threaten or call bluffs that you may or may not know are bluffs or not. <laughs> Shell, I could go on here. I've got so many questions. One that's hovering in my mind is way back at the beginning of this conversation. What if I find out, I do my research, I'm actually paid overs on market we are running out of time though so here's what i'm thinking if you're cool with it what if we do part two of the pay conversation but we chuck a bunch of questions at you you can probably throw some back at me and we bring this one home now we wrap it up park it you answer that one next time along with a bunch of others sounds really good awesome i look forward to part two cool see you then thanks Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.